Welcome back to the Eye on the Tigers podcast. I am Dave Matter, a zoo beat writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and stltoday.com. We've been on hiatus for a little bit. Uh, there was a bit of a uh, coaching search to cover. Missouri men's basketball coach Dennis Gates is in. I'm not sure we've done a podcast since he was named head coach about four weeks ago. There's been a lot of news to cover. Been very consumed with uh, Dennis Gates' roster, which seems to unfold and take shape every day. So we didn't want to be talking about something that would be outdated by the time the podcast went online. But things have sort of settled down on that beat right now. That team is coming together. And we're going to talk about it a little bit here in a moment. We're also going to have a couple guests today, uh, really special guests, really excited about having them here on the podcast, some names that should be familiar for loyal readers. We're going to talk to Christina Long, who covers Arkansas. She's the Razorbacks beat writer for the USA Today Network and uh, the Southwest Times record for down in Fort Smith. Uh, she's been on the beat there a little less than a year, but doing a, a great job covering the Hogs. And then Bennett Durando, who covers Auburn, also for the USA Today Network and for the Montgomery Advertiser. Uh, he's been there about the same time, a little bit longer, I think. But either way, those names should sound familiar if you read our Mizzou coverage at stltoday.com because they were both campus correspondents during their time at Mizzou. Both helped me out on the Mizzou beat. Christina was around in the fall of 2019 and then the spring of 20, if I've got my uh, my dates right. And then Bennett was the next year, fall of 20 and uh, through 21, and then graduated and has gone on and done a great job covering Auburn. So we're going to talk about those basketball programs that they cover, two really fascinating programs uh, led by two guys that are uh, I wrote about the, the colorful head coaches in the SEC last week and those two are at the top of the list Bruce Pearl of course and and Eric Musselman guys that have really built uh, thriving programs in the SEC and nationally and we'll talk some football too because you can't really talk about SEC sports especially when it comes to uh, you know Auburn and, and Arkansas without getting into a little football so we will talk with them here pretty soon but first I, I think it's time we need to sort of set the roster for Mizzou. Uh, it has been a very uh, interesting six weeks or so. It's been right at six weeks since Missouri uh, moved on from Conzo Martin. It's been about four weeks since they hired Dennis Gates, and he has done a lot to this roster. First of all, he's brought in two assistant coaches, uh, Charlton C.Y. Young, longtime coach at Florida State, his colleague there. I think they overlapped for six seasons. So C.Y. Young brings in a lot of experience. And then uh, just last week, he, he hires Dickie Nutt, uh, who has coached college basketball longer than probably a lot of our listeners have, have been alive. He, uh, former head coach at Arkansas State, former head coach at SEMO down in Cape Girardeau, and has, has worked with Dennis at a couple different stops at both Florida State and at Cleveland State, so knows him well. So adding two real veteran voices to have on the bench. I, I did the math. I think they have both, you add Nutt, and Young's uh, career numbers, their years in college coaching, and they've com combined to coach 62 seasons of college basketball. And that's at the Division I level. So obviously a lot of experience on that bench. Uh, he's going to have a third assistant here soon enough. Um, I've written this a few times, but I, I would expect that to be Kyle Smith-Peters. He is the head coach at John A. Logan College, one of the best junior colleges in the country. He's been there for a decade now. Um, he, uh, nothing official as of recording this, but he is who I think they will end up hiring. Uh, he's, he's developed a lot of good players 
that have gone on to division one success, uh, even an NBA draft pick over at Logan, one of the best junior colleges in the country. So I think that'll be a, a good hire if it ends up becoming official this week or next. So let's talk about the roster. Six roster additions in terms of commitments and signings in the last four weeks or so. Uh, so this is really the second year in a row that Missouri's roster will have a completely different look with a lot of newcomers. Last year, I think it was nine newcomers. This year, it's uh, going to be seven or eight. Right now, you got six transfers, uh, four Division I transfers, two junior college transfers, and then you've got at least one high school uh, signee, maybe two. We'll see. Uh, so let's go with the transfers first. The first one to, to, to uh, commit, and then he has since signed, is Mohamed Diara, a 6'10 big man. Uh, comes from junior college ranks, Garden City over in Kansas, originally from uh, Paris, France. Um, he's somebody that fills a big need. Uh, I don't think he's a traditional kind of back-to-the-basket big man, but you don't see a lot of those in college basketball anymore. Not You don't see a lot of Jeremiah Tillmans out there. Uh, but he can do a lot of things that you want for in, in your five-man. He can block shots. He can get rebounds. He does shoot threes. I don't know how much he'll do it at the – in the SEC Division One level, but it is it is part of his uh, part of his game. Uh, so big addition there, something that the, this team really really needs. Then you look at DeAndre Golston, six five wing from University of Milwaukee. Uh, you know he's athletic, uh, just from the looks of it, not a super prolific shooter, but he can do some different things for you. I think defensively, uh, he'll be versatile out on the wing. Maybe he can. Um, you know, guard guys at the level that Dennis Gates expects. You know, then you go to the two Cleveland State guys, uh, two players that are going to basically come with Dennis Gates from Cleveland to Columbia in Trey Gomillion and Demoy Hodge. Hodge just committed over the weekend. Uh, Gomillion did about two weeks ago. Both 6'4". Uh, they're used very differently at Cleveland State. Gomillion kind of played all over the place, 2-3-4. Uh, played a lot of that four position. I don't know how much you'll see him being in a, in a so-called power forward spot at, uh, at the SEC level, but it, it was a place where he could play on the floor for Gates at Cleveland State. Um, a guy that shot really well from three-point range last year, but he didn't take a lot of shots, but at least you know he can, he can make those shots. Both these guys, though, really good defensive players. They are the last two uh, defensive player, players of the year in the Horizon League. Hodge won it this past season, Gomillion won it the year before. So you expect them to um, to really play good defense when they are put into this lineup, however, whatever their role may be. Hodge was the leading scorer at Cleveland State this past season. Uh, okay, three-point shooter. That's not really a big part of his game. Um, Noah Carter is another uh, a big addition, 6'6", forward from Northern Iowa. Uh, he, he really played their center position. You don't really want to call it a center, but I guess he was their five on the floor uh, most of the time. I don't think that's where you'll see him play at Missouri. He's sort of a combo forward, a little bit of an undersized four, kind of in the way of a, a Ronnie DeGray, a little bit of a Kobe Brown. There might be a little bit of a logjam of players that fit that mold at this position next year, just depending on who all comes back. But he's another guy that can score, average 15 points a game. He had nine 20-point games this past season, uh, can, can score at, at all three levels. It'll be interesting to see just, you know, where he really fits in and if how much of that scoring can translate the high major level at the SEC level. 
but he's a guy that had some pretty impressive offers. That's good schools coming after him. And, and uh, Dennis Gates was able to jump on him pretty early in the process. And then the big addition happened on Friday at really the biggest position of need probably for this program is a point guard. And that's where Sean East, the second comes in, uh, comes from the aforementioned John A. Logan college, uh, it, which is his third college that he's been in and his career he started at UMass in the A-10. Then he went to Bradley in the Missouri Valley. And at both of those stops, he averaged about nine points, four assists a game, pretty good for a young player. Uh, his numbers really took off like you would expect at the junior college level, he averaged 20 points, six, six assists and was a much better three-point shooter. So where will his production uh, lie at Missouri next year? You know, I think it's probably fair to expect somewhere in the middle of what he did his first two years in Division I and then that junior college year. Uh, but, you know, again, that's the position that Missouri really needed to address. They did not have a point guard last year. We've discussed that uh, at length over, over the last few months. And he is a prototypical point guard who can score, who can shoot, uh, gets the free throw line, really good free throw shooter. Uh, and it just, by all accounts, is a guy that brings a lot of leadership qualities and uh, a facilitator and a guy that that wants to be a, a leader on the floor. So we'll see if that works out as, as this point guard for Dennis Gates. It will be his fourth college in four years. I, I did see some, uh, just some, some noise on Twitter and some comments, some emails, people up, upset about that, but that's, that's college basketball in 2022. It's never been easier to transfer. We see transfers like this a lot, players moving all around and it doesn't start at the college level. They are bouncing AAU teams all the time. They are transferring high schools all the time. That's just uh, part of the game now, and I think you kind of have to get over it when you, you see a college player who moves around a lot. Uh, but we do know that he is committed to play for Missouri this coming year. He'll have two years of eligibility. Uh, who knows if he'll use both, but we do know that he will be most likely the point guard going forward for this program in uh, Dennis Gates' first season, or at least be one of them. So who does that leave? Well, that's six additions. You have 13 scholarships every year, so – that spot, that means there are spots for seven more. Uh, Missouri, as of today, recording this, has six returning players on the roster who have yet to enter the transfer portal. May 1st is the deadline if they want to play somewhere this coming season. So they've got, you know, less than two weeks uh, if they want to enter the portal. So those six that are on the roster right now are Kobe and Caleb Brown. Uh, Caleb, the freshman point guard who played a little bit last year. Kobe, of course, the second team, all SEC forward. Uh, you've got Boogie Coleman, who was the point guard for most of last season. You've got Amari Davis, uh, shooting guard, whose production was kind of up and down most of the year. You got Ronnie DeGray. We mentioned him. I thought he had a, a pretty productive first year in the program as a, as a forward. And then you've got Yaya Keita, who, you know, unfortunately had the knee injury at Desmet his senior year of high school and then had another knee injury this, this past season, his freshman year, and, and didn't end the year. So those are the six. And you've got two more and guys that have signed and uh, high school players in Aiden Shaw, the four-star power forward uh, from Overland Park. He is on board, as we know. He recommitted to Missouri after the Gates hire, um, after exploring the, the market a little bit for a few weeks there after Conzo Martin was fired. And then the mystery here, a bit of a wild card, is Christian Jones. He is the three-star guard, combo guard from East St. Louis High School, who committed to Missouri last summer, signed in the fall, had a, had a decent uh, senior year at East St. Louis, but we haven't really heard much from him at all. He hasn't returned messages or phone calls uh, since Conzo was let go. 
So his status is a little bit up in the air. I think it's fair to wonder and speculate if he will indeed be part of the program this year. Somebody's got to go, basically, if you're going to get all these commitments in. And I, I think if you're going to rank the probability of who will not be part of this group, uh, you hate to speculate too much without knowing, but I, I think it's probably, you know, Jones would be your your number one pick there just because haven't really heard much from him at all. So we shall see uh, if if it's if that's it, if there's no other movement on this roster, then, you know, that there's your 13 for the most part, unless, you know, something changes here in the next couple of days, somebody transfers and they end up adding somebody, uh, you know, later this spring or summer. So that's what it looks like for Dennis Gates this first year. I, I think initially, and this is kind of based on some of the feedback I've heard from fans, especially in my chat last week. Well, where are the power five? Where are the high major, the power six transfers? Where are these impact guys coming from big time programs that want to join this team? Well, there's about 12, 1300 names in the transfer portal this cycle. And there's not a lot of high profile in-demand players from the high major teams. We just don't see that many this year. There's a lot of mid-major players that are essentially transferring up. And those are the kind of players that Dennis Gates is bringing in to have this sort of transition roster, a bit of a kind of a bridge year before maybe he can go out and spend more time developing relationships and investing in high school recruits. So I don't know if it was really fair to expect a bunch of players transfers from big name power six schools. I say power six because you, you throw in the Big East there in addition to the football power five conferences because um, there's just not a lot out there. Uh, you look at the biggest transfer names in the portal that have either committed somewhere or are still out there in the market, and you just don't see many from the major programs uh, in the major conferences. LSU's entire roster is in the portal, but that's they're kind of the exception to the rule. So you got to go out and find the best of the mid-majors. And uh, I don't know if Dennis Gates has done that, but he has gone out and gotten some players that either were in high demand, like a Noah Carter, or players that he knows well. And that would be Hodge and Gamillion from Cleveland State. And then DeAndre Golston, who also comes from the Horizon League, who played against Gates five times in the last two years. So he knows what he's getting in those three players just because he's been around them or coached against them. Uh, so you almost give him the benefit of the doubt and saying, okay, he, he's not going to add those guys that he knows so well unless he thinks they can be you know, valuable contributors and assets for this program going forward. So that is Missouri's roster as it stands. Uh, not a lot of room for additions at this point. But with the transfer portal, there could always be some moves. Now, two coaches who have really gotten a lot out of the transfer portal the last couple of years, and I, I expect that to continue, are Bruce Pearl at Auburn and Eric Musselman at Arkansas. And coming up next, we're going to talk to the two beat writers who cover those teams and uh, hear a whole lot more about the Tigers and the Razorbacks. And we'll get into some football, too, with Christina and Bennett. Now we are joined by Christina and Bennett. We already introduced them a little bit uh, in the first part of today's podcast, but really fortunate to have them, I guess, rejoin us. Um, loyal readers know their names for sure because they helped out at the Post-Dispatch covering Mizzou back in the day when they were uh, just young college students, and now they're big professionals out working for the USA Today Network covering. Christina covers 
Arkansas for the USA Today Network and the Fort Smith paper. And Bennett is down covering Auburn at the uh, Montgomery Advertiser. And both have plenty to write. You guys probably need to deserve a vacation or so after the, the time you've spent covering some pretty busy seasons. Uh, I guess in Arkansas, it's baseball season. Christina, you cover some baseball because that program is so good. And Bennett just got done covering the NCAA gymnastics championships down in Fort Worth, Texas, because Auburn is really good and home to the uh, Olympic uh, gold medalist. So let's talk a little bit more hoops, though. Um, you guys cover two of the most colorful coaches in college basketball, two of the most successful. Uh, I'm kind of at the point now where I think Arkansas might be the top basketball program in the SEC, just as far as the total package of recruiting and, and on-court results. I mean, they made the elite eight here two years in a row. Um, but before we dig into the specifics, just Christina, what is this – year been like covering Arkansas a place you know well but now you're covering on a daily basis and uh, a place that keeps you busy because everybody in that state I know uh, they they love the hogs and want, wants to read about them yeah so for folks that don't know I started um, here in November you talk about us being uh, college students back in the day but it was really not long ago at all <laughs> um, so started here in in November and I'm originally from Fayetteville Arkansas so I'm back home um, covering the team I grew up with which has been really fun but it's it's really an exciting time to cover Arkansas because they're, you know, football's on the rise. There's a lot of excitement around that program. Baseball, there's always excitement around them because they're always a top program. And then basketball right now, like you said, there's tons of hype around them on a national stage. Um, so everyone is really, uh, everyone in the state is always hungry for Arkansas stories and, and uh, these teams. But I think right now it's kind of at, a, at an all-time high because of yeah. how they're sort of firing on all cylinders. And then Bennett, for you at Auburn, even when Auburn's not good, they're in the news because they just, they can't help it. I mean, it's almost, I think going to Mizzou and covering Mizzou is probably a good training ground for Auburn because it seems like there's just never a dull moment down there on the plane. So what, what has this experience been like for you so far? It, it's been a whirlwind in which I'm sort of thrown in every direction exactly when I'm not expecting to be thrown in. That <laughs> That's direction. the job though. Come on. <laughs> yeah, no, I, exactly. I mean, it's like, it's like I, I sort of finally got into a groove with, with basketball coverage a lot um, into conference play and, and getting into February. And then it was right after Auburn football didn't sign anyone on signing day that, uh, the investigation of Brian Harson's program uh, suddenly took over sort of the college football world for about a week. Um, and, and just sort of the mess that that was institutionally and, and all the issues just right, sort of right. top to bottom with, with Auburn and, and that program. And so uh, it, every, every, it's very disorienting. You, you get thrown in those directions and then in the middle of it all, Auburn basketball was sort of, reaching this ceiling that no one thought they were going to reach. They were a number one team in the country for the first time in program history. Um, obviously Bruce Pearl is, is probably one of the more flamboyant characters or, or outspoken characters within the sport. And at this point is, is one of the deans of sec basketball right, with right. so much coaching turnover him and Calipari and maybe Rick Barnes are sort of the three the, the wise sages at this point. So um, to, it, it's a lot, it's a lot of juggling and, and you're right. Never a dull moment. Well, let's, let's stick with Pearl. Um, what do you think is kind of the next 
step for this program? Is it sustainable? Do you think it keeps going? I mean, obviously they lose Jabari Smith, who could be a you know top three pick in the draft. Walker Kessler had that great year. They brought in these the transfer guards. Um, what's what's next for Auburn basketball? I think they're gonna they're gonna it's reloading. It's not rebuilding. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler were probably I mean, I mean at least a top three front court in the country there you could make a case they were the best front court in the country bruce pearl certainly did many times um and they've been quick to go after guys to try and reload jabari was the highest rated recruit who ever signed with auburn they just got yoan treor uh who's the number 15 overall recruit in this upcoming class and the second highest recruit to sign in auburn basketball history um, so that's a five-star center who immediately comes in to sort of replace some hybrids sort of role with, with the yeah. four and the five where Smith and Kessler were playing and they're targeting other big guys. I mean, they've got, um, within the sec, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, um, was a five-star transferring. He's got Auburn in his final five, Johnny Broom from Moorhead state, um, just visited Auburn last weekend and, and is a a potential destination for him. So I, it's been pretty immediate how Pearl is keeping the ambition very high after some of these guys that they've gotten and they're developing a consistent track record of getting guys into the NBA, which I think is really helping the recruiting a lot. Yeah, for sure. As we record this, I just saw this um, big news in St. Louis. Yuri Collins just entered the transfer portal. So. <laughs> leads the nation in assists i imagine i mean the way arkansas goes after everybody in the portal and actually missouri too lately i mean who knows he could end up in the in the sec if he doesn't follow through and go to the nba draft process i guess but uh it's amazing i mean that's how that's how quickly these things move uh um, saw him too this yeah. season so they they know how good he was and they've he, seen him yeah i've seen him up close yeah absolutely enough to be uh, christina arkansas it, it's I, I said before, I, I think Musselman's got maybe not as far as the history or the complete uh, package that Kentucky brings, because Kentucky will always be a top three, top five program nationally. But I think where they are right now, I think you can make a case Arkansas is the strongest program as far as that fan base goes. I think the NIL stuff has been pretty strong, it seems like. Uh, Musselman, he's producing NBA players. He's bringing in not just transfers, but what, three, five stars in this coming class. Like where, where what's the state of this program right now? I mean, you're seeing them, Vegas loves them as a national championship contender for next season. Yeah. Like I said, there's so much hype around them. And I think fans are really excited about it because, and you saw this a little bit with how Musselman talked about the team during their NCAA tournament run. Um, but they really feel, they really take on a little Clemson attitude. Um, they definitely take on sort of this underdog. Nobody, you know, knows about us. We're overlooked, which I think Arkansas as a state feels that way, just like outside of sports and outside of the university, um, which I think there's, you know, some merit to that. But, um, you know, I, I overheard people at the NCAA tournament asking how to spell Arkansas. And like, I just think, you know, people enjoy having to use another sports cliche a chip on their shoulder when it comes to all of their um all of their teams especially this being you know the biggest program in the state um so I think 
as far as hype goes, there's definitely a ton of it, especially as they get this national attention. People are really feeding off of that from a fan perspective. Um, as far as just who he's bringing in, the recruiting is, yeah, at an all-time high. Um, he's gotten four forwards out of the portal. Um, all of them people are really excited about. Uh, I know he's getting uh, a former Mizzou player. Um, and then they've also got all these. And one thing that happened when he got the job was there was a little bit of discussion about how he would do recruiting out of high schools because of his NBA background. People weren't sure if he would be used to that. Um, even though he came from Nevada, but he was known at Nevada for his transfer recruiting. So people were right. a little bit worried about him being able to recruit high school. And then now he's got all these five stars and these highly rated prospects um, from out of state, which is a huge deal to be getting players to come into Arkansas um, because Arkansas is not exactly a super talented state just across most sports. There's not a ton of high level recruits that come out of here. Um, so for him to be pulling players in um, at the level that he is, is a little bit of a surprise. Um, and people are really excited about it. Yeah, for sure. And it, both of these guys, I think when they were hired at their respective schools, maybe the first thought was, well, maybe an odd fit. You know, Musselman's this NBA guy, comes from Nevada, even though, you know, his dad coached at Minnesota and he is kind of a Midwesterner at heart, I guess. But is that a long-term fit? I think was kind of the question. Like that just seems like maybe an odd personality background fit in, in Arkansas. And then maybe, maybe less so with Pearl because he had been at Tennessee and had done great things, but he's this Boston guy who, you know, is, is he, is he cut out for Auburn? Uh, I don't know, but he just seemed to fit perfectly what they needed at the time and has since and Musselman too. And they really embraced him. I mean, the guy's taking his shirt off after games and he's become this like personnel, big time personality, um, and I, I wrote last week about how, and John Sundle made this great point to me, said, you know, to be a great coach today, it's not just about X's and O's and recruiting. You have to market yourself and your programs. And these guys, these top coaches in the SEC, that's what they're so good at. Cal Perry was the best, but he, he said, now I think Musselman's the best and Pearl's been one of the best. How much does that come into play with their success? I mean, they, it seemed like they've really winning helps obviously, but the, the, the fan bases have just bought into these guys because they have done so much to win over the fans. Bennett, you go ahead and start. With with Pearl, I mean he he did this at Tennessee too. You'll he'll he'll take off his shirt at a football game or whatever yeah. and, and be in the student section um and and sort of makes an effort to be the fan of everything else going on yeah. in that school and in that in an athletic department. And so I think when he came to Auburn, obviously he was, you know, it's taken a chance. It was a program that was sort of in shambles and, right. and Bruce Pearl had the show cause penalties still from Tennessee. And so for both parties there, it's like, why not take a chance? Um, what, what have you got to lose? And, right. and it's paid off in spades, obviously. And, and Pearl, he always returns to this is an everything school when people sort of ask about basketball playing second fiddle to football all the time so he he's he's very I think he's very self-aware about himself as a marketer and he knows how to make it about his program while also sort of making it about everything else and it's just it's that sort of larger than life personality and it helps when you're a a great X's nose coach. I think Musselman and Pearl are two of the best in-game coaches in the league too. And so when you can sort of 
see the the brilliance in a game and then yeah. see that they're willing to throw out their pretty honest opinions about things right after the game. Um, they're willing to generally be accountable. Pearl, Pearl will be the first to say, I got out coached in a game. If he got out coached in a game, he did it in the NCAA tournament. Um, I, I think that sort of plays in a lot and the Auburn fan base is just taken to him so immediately. And, and now it's eight years in and he's got an extension. He's a top five highest paid coach in the country. So yeah, it's wild. Uh, Muscleman, I think is very much in the same build now, not, not physically. Cause I mean, he is, he's a small guy. I sat next to him uh, during one of Missouri's games at the, at the SEC tournament. He sat right next to me because he was scouting for the next game. I, I was struck by how, I'm not a big guy, but he, I was struck by how small he is, but he's nuts. He's crazy. He, he was yelling at the officials during the game, um, a game that he wasn't coaching in. Uh, and then the next minute he's FaceTiming his daughter about her uh, ballerina recital coming up. And then he's, he wasn't taking down any notes, but he was, you could see he was like a computer. He was like talking about all these matchups and these uh, all these different things that they had to get ready for that he recalled from the, the past few games. And then you watch him coach and he's like Pearl. I mean, he's just pure energy all the time. Um, and, and he's just this big boisterous personality. And then, you know, they win a big game and he's, he's got a shirt off. So he, what, what, what is this guy like Christina, what you've gotten to see, uh, and why besides, again, the winning helps obviously, but why are the fans crazy about this guy in the way that they appear to be? He is definitely such a ball of energy. We wonder often if he ever sleeps, even in the off season with all this transfer portal stuff, he doesn't, it does not seem like it. Um, but he, I, I think it's funny that you mentioned kind of the fit question because he, I was talking to someone the other day about how if it weren't working, all of his kind of gimmicks and sort of weird personality stuff, if it weren't working, I think people here would feel very much like, who is this California NBA guy? Yeah. He, you know, he doesn't understand us. He's not like us. But because it's working, people love it. And because it's working, people are open to this kind of new face and I think Arkansas basketball has not had a ton of big personalities um since you know Nolan Richardson and his success um and I don't know that he was necessarily a big personality but he had a brand um and I think Mike Anderson wanted to kind of get in on that brand but didn't ever really kind of embrace it fully um and then before him there was like the John Pelfrey who I it was very forgettable um and so I think this is and bringing excitement to a program that hasn't really had it. Um, and I think he is so, he does so much to be sort of relatable. You know, like he came into a press conference with a cardboard sign that said, I need tickets to Ludacris because Ludacris was playing in Fayetteville. Yeah. Um, and he was like, my wife gave away all our tickets. If anyone has Ludacris, you know, like just stuff like that. It's like little things that like, if he weren't him, you would be like, what is this guy doing? And if it weren't working, you would be very confused. Um, but at the same time, you know, you can tell how smart he is. We talked to Bennett mentioned the in-game coaching. You can tell just, I found his old, um, I want to say blog spot account where he just like did all these notes on games for, this is from like 10 years ago. Yeah. He's recently been going back and replying to um, game highlight videos that the brand account tweeted out. And he's been replying to them with sort oh. of like, retroactive analysis of the game or like what the mindset was going into the game or afterward or what was the key to that game he's been doing that periodically these last few days since the offseason has started um which has been really interesting so he just has this 
incredible basketball mind, but also is so good at marketing himself. And he even leans into it. You know, he he retweets that um, that account that monitors how different brands are getting engagement on Twitter, and they right, tweet out right. like, "Here are the top coaches." for Twitter engagements and he's like dominating it and he's yeah. tweeting it out and being like, we did great on Twitter. You know, like he, he's aware of it and he's not trying to hide it. Um, he wears his custom painted Nikes and he, when, when he's asked about it, he says, this is about building a brand. This is about um, doing something splashy and maybe it helps in recruiting. Maybe it gets us noticed. You know, he's, he's not shy about it at all, which right. I, I respect. If you're going to be gimmicky, at least, you know, he owns it. Yeah, this prime reminds me a little of of Drinkwitz in Missouri. Obviously, a different sport, but I yeah. but Drinkwitz sort of brands himself so well to that fan base that even when you know the first season ended with maybe a loss to Mississippi State that they shouldn't have lost, there was still such optimism around the program sure. and what he did. I think in part because of how he presents himself to a fan base, and and Absolutely. that's what Musselman and Pearl are masters at, right? You can, you can get away with not doing that kind of stuff if you're Nick Saban and you're winning national championships all the time and you can kind of have this, you know, uh, kind of dour, comp, you know, complex and, and you know, be the, uh, the old grandfather that doesn't really have time for your fun stuff. But I, I think these two coaches are really – and I put Eli in that, in that mix too. They, they followed kind of the lead of Calipari. Just you're always marketing and selling your program. And now it's to the point where you've got programs that I think are – on the verge of kind of passing Kentucky or at least being right there next to him and being able to do that and really mastering. So I think that's really interesting going forward when you've got all these new coaches in the SEC, five, six coaching changes, five new coaches. And a lot of them have never even been in a high major program before. Um, Dennis Gates has a Florida state now at Missouri, but LSU's new coach has never been in a high major program. Um, I know one of the other ones too is, is never stepped foot on campus of one as an employee at a, at a high major school. So it's, it's really interesting. And, and we're also talking about these two guys are, they're not, you know, relatively young for the business either. I think Muss is what 57 and Bruce is over older than 60, 62. I want to say him I and Cal Perry or 63. He's right. Cal Perry, I think are the same age. So um, yeah, really interesting. Uh, all right. Let's let's, before we close, let's talk a little football because it's SEC and we have to, uh, I know Arkansas just had their spring game. The, the weather didn't uh, didn't cooperate, so the fans really didn't see it. So they had to they had to learn all about it through what Christina had to write. What'd you learn about this team this spring? I mean, you go Sam Pittman goes from three wins to nine wins. The next step, all right, can you get the double digit wins? Can you be a little bit more of a contender in the division? He's got a lot of pieces coming back, both coordinators. It seems like Arkansas is really set up to keep building this thing in, in football. Are they? Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like it. Consistency has kind of been the big theme of this spring for them. Like you said, maintaining both Barry Odom and Kendall Bryles as coordinators. Um, they had two new position coaches, um, but they've been adjusting really well. They got them in um, at the right time for the recruiting cycle. And they've got quarterback KJ Jefferson coming back. They've got one of their top running backs coming back. The biggest loss really is Traylon Burks going to the NFL yeah. draft. And so the biggest question for Arkansas right now is who's going to kind of step up in his place. But Arkansas football also hit the portal pretty well. Um, and they got a wide receiver, Jaden Hazelwood out of Oklahoma, who everyone's really hyped about. Um, he's been a little bit limited in spring just because he's coming off of an injury, but he's been, you know, he's been practicing in a green jersey and everything. Um, and people are really excited about him and expecting him to kind of come into the fold in Burks's place. Um, yeah. And then 
a few defensive guys too. They got a couple of LSU transfers um, and they're looking to replace uh, actually Mizzou transfer Trey Williams off the edge. Um, they need a guy that can uh, be a really strong pass rusher. Um, and they're still trying to fill that role. There's an uh, LSU defensive end, Landon Jackson, who's a sophomore who they're expecting to kind of do that, but he's been limited too. So They've got a lot of returning pieces, um, especially on the defense and then also, of course, at quarterback. So they have set themselves up well to kind of sustain success, but it'll just be a matter of how these kind of new pieces can actually adjust and be used. Yeah, I think they should be squarely in the mix right behind Alabama with Ole Miss, with Texas A&M. LSU is kind of hard to figure out with Brian Kelly coming in, but, um, you know, you expect that team to be a little bit better coached. And I mean, that division is 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 madness obviously i mean everybody's chasing alabama but i, I think there's a, a really good kind of fight for second place and then I, I don't know if auburn will be part of that i mean bennett for your beat i mean you're just you're kind of covering like is this head coach going to survive much less what the team is going to be like what what has this offseason been like i mean i guess it's kind of par for the course for auburn but i mean there was a a few weeks there where it looked like you were going to be covering a coaching search it, it seemed like it. Yeah. I mean, when, when the school has to release an open letter from the president announcing that the coach is being retained, that sort of says a lot about the state of, of right. where the last week or 10 days had been at. Um, and, and it was, you know, it, it was close to Harson being out. Um, so it, it's, it, it's fascinating. It's sort of, feels a little unprecedented. It's, it's going to be a short leash, I think for him. And, and it's going to be, he's treating it as Auburn against the world. The, the, the thing is, aside from sort of the culture issues that, that were very clear, you, he had former players sort of speaking publicly about how his coaching mentality wasn't right. And he didn't relate to his players enough. And, and it seems like he's made a really conscious concerted effort in improving that this spring to his credit, but, but aside from all that, that can improve, but they've got a lot of on the field issues. You know, what, what is this offense going to look like is sort of the primary thing. They've got a bunch of offensive linemen returning who are experienced, which is good, but it was an offensive line that wasn't very good last year. So right. um, I, yeah, they're, they're going to have a three, pronged quarterback battle for the next few months with Zach Calzada, TJ Finley, and Robbie Ashford. Um, that'll be something to finalize. Ashford sort of played his way into the mix um, with a great spring game. So uh, there's uncertainty there. There's uncertainty at a lot of position groups. It's, it's like, can you build enough to sort of make running back Tank Bigsby a, a center of this offense? I think the defense will be in better shape, but there, there will be projections before the season of, of Auburn in last place in that division. Yeah. I wouldn't because think it's so. such a loaded division. So I, whether they can sort of ascend from that, they have some talent, but they've got a lot of holes to fill. Right. I saw like the ESPN the projections that they do, yeah. the computer ones that come out, they always just create a lot of controversy. It seems like, and they had Auburn as like a top 10 team, which I don't yeah. quite understand. Um, I'm sure you probably don't either, but uh yeah, that was a little little surprising. We've all been trying to figure out how the what analytic made Auburn number ten. I don't, I don't understand. It. I think they were third highest in the SEC in that, behind Alabama and Georgia too. Um, which just, I I don't understand it. The thing is, Auburn's always at its best. It seems like when they're 
projected lower or maybe right. sort of overlooked that 2013 team that went to the national championship was on the heels of the worst season in program history. So, so I think maybe what Harson would rather see is, is some of the last place projections in yeah. August instead of the, the bizarre number 10 thing from ESPN right now. Sure. Yeah. Auburn is a team that Missouri fans need to, to pay probably more attention to than ever before because Missouri goes to Auburn this year. First time Tigers will ever play the Missouri Tigers will ever play at Auburn. So, and it's an early game. It's fairly early in the schedule at least. So we'll have a good idea, both those teams. And obviously it's kind of a homecoming game for Drinkwitz. Got his start in college coaching at, uh, at Auburn and then worked under Brian Harson for a few years. So they know each other well. So that's some interesting storylines there for sure. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's never too early to start talking football, but um, I, I, I guess that's the, that's kind of the early read on those two teams that Missouri spring game was so long ago. I've, I've kind of forgotten about what happened. I mean, they, they were done in like February, it seemed like. So, yeah, um, it was, I were, I was at the NCAA tournament, I think watching that, yeah. that first weekend senior uh, spring game tweets, or, or maybe it was, that might've been the, that before the spring yeah. game, but I was just, I was like, Oh gosh, what month is it right now? I don't, I don't know any sense of time. It's portal season now. So they, they move on pretty quickly. All right. Well guys, this has been a lot of fun. I know you guys are super busy. Hopefully it's going to slow down a little bit for you here uh, before everything gets cranked up with football, but just want to thank both of you for joining us, rejoining us a bit on the, uh, on the Mizzou beat. So I've got, so Max Baker was our campus correspondent this year. He's, he's uh, his time is winding down. I'm in the process right now of going through applicants for next year's campus correspondent we got some really good ones that hoping to uh have a decision settled on that pretty soon but i couldn't have done it we couldn't keep doing it unless we had success with our early ones and christine i think you were the second one we had and bennett was third annie rogers was the first and it's been such a great addition to our uh to our mizzou coverage and i i can't thank you guys enough for what you're able to contribute and and it's so cool seeing you guys you know manage your own beats now and i know what great job you're, you're doing covering uh arkansas and auburn and, and every team and everything you cover from here on out it's it's, it's great to watch it, you sound like an athletic director talking about a coaching search <laughs> there for a second yeah. uh we, we will not comment further on the search but uh not settled yet so we don't we know have, we have candidates that we are encouraged by no no it, it's it's such a cool the it was such a great opportunity for me and I, I know for Christina and, and everyone else, I, I think it's, I don't know, I that year was so fun for me just to be able to sort of work on the stories that that the opportunity sort of gave us the room to work on. I think it was a ton of fun. And obviously working under Dave, it's, it's working under the goat, the Sabin. Okay, I don't know about that, but um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna edit it out of the podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for, for this week's podcast. We want to remind our listeners, please check us out at stltoday.com slash podcast, where you can find the Eye on the Tigers podcast uh, every week that we do it. We don't necessarily do it every week, especially now that we're in the off-season mode here. But also, please subscribe. You can find us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you do, please leave us a comment. We always enjoy your feedback. Uh, we want to thank our guests this week, Christina Long and Bennett Durando. We are in the process of kind of lining up some more guests for some upcoming pods. We'll hopefully get Ben Fredrickson off the baseball beat and have him come back and join us. He's been really busy with our, our Cardinals coverage and doing a great job as always, too. So um, until next time, I am Dave Matter, and we will do this again. Talk Mizzou, more Mizzou football, more SEC sports, Mizzou basketball. 
we'll have you covered here at the Eye on the Tigers podcast. 